日本史学習に最高にもってこいのサイトサムライアーカイブスポッドキャストへようこそ美しい自然にあふれてる縄文時代から波乱万丈な幕末まで全時代を網羅して日本史の隅から隅まで一緒に語り合いましょうでは早速日本史の世界へ Hey, welcome again to the Samurai Archives podcast.、Uh, we'll be continuing our Samurai Behaving Badly series. So, today we'll be focusing on another Samurai ideal, which is preferring death to surrender,、uh, which is something that's been held up over the, especially during World War II, as an example of this is how Samurai are. You never surrender, you will die before surrender. And so, we'll be sort of looking at examples today where that wasn't the case. Yeah,、um, a couple of them, and, and some that we'd actually already mentioned, you know, to kind of、uh, expand it from surrender to,、uh, you know, death before dishonor.、Uh, obviously,、uh, we just talked in the last uh, podcast uh, about、uh, Araki Murashige.、Uh, he certainly chose the、uh, dishonor of running away and leaving everybody else to die instead of him. He didn't even、uh, choose over, death. He,、uh, over, or, over death. Or surrender. He didn't、yeah. choose surrender or death. He,、uh, uh, Shows option number three. Exactly.、Uh, so, I mean, we certainly、uh, see you know, examples of this, you know, not even surrendering,、uh, but、uh, choosing the dishonor.、Um, a couple of others that、uh, I pulled up,、uh, one of the ones that I found in my research on Nagashino, one of the、uh, battles that took place, or I guess sieges、uh, that took place,、uh, the, it actually took place the year before Nagashino. Uh, one of Katsuyori's first moves、uh, after taking over the Takeda clan、uh, was to uh, invade uh, into、uh, Totomi province、uh, and take the、uh, Tokugawa castle of Takatenjin. And this was actually, this is notable because、uh, it was one of the places that Takeda Shingen, his Of course, illustrious father had、uh, tried to take and had failed. Uh, but uh, what happens in this、uh, battle is that.、Uh, Katsuyori surrounds、uh, Takatenjin Castle, and the uh, defender uh, for the、uh, Tokugawa clan is a, a, by, a guy by the name of、uh, Ogasawara uh, Nagatada. Uh, he was actually、uh, known by、uh, a couple other names as well, but、uh, this is the name that's given to him in the,、uh, the Shinchoki account, or Shinchokoki account, I'm sorry. So,、uh, Ogasawara is a, uh, a retainer, and、uh, the, his, his family、uh, was actually. Uh, quite a uh, uh, large presence in the Tokugawa clan.、Uh, he had relatives who, who fought in,、uh, who were in other locations. He had just been named、uh, to hold Takatenjin Castle for, for, the,、uh, for the Tokugawa. So in 1574, Takeda Katsuyori、uh, mobilizes his army and invades Totomi and surrounds Takatenjin Castle.、Uh, Ogasawara sends to Okazaki to、uh, his lord Tokugawa Ieyasu to, to try to get、uh, help and、uh, relief for his, his castle. Unfortunately, the Oda you know, allies of the Tokugawa are, employed, are engaged elsewhere at this time,、uh, and uh, as is Ieyasu. So, really, no help is coming. No help is available at this time, so he's kind of just given the deal with it treatment. <laughs> so, he feels, you know, okay, well, I, I don't want to. Leave all of my retainers,、uh, you know, who are helping to defend Takatenjin.、Uh, there's, there's no point for all of us dying. So, what he does is he, he surrenders. He just says, okay, forget this. I'm not getting any help. So, I'll just turn the castle over to Katsuyori. 
and he actually uh, receives a stipend and, and a parcel of land from Takeda Katsuyori to join the Takeda clan. You know, on the surface, looking at it from from his standpoint, he's saving his retainer. You know, his the defenders of Takatenjin Castle. Uh, so it's not really a bad thing. But for the rest of his family, uh, right, right. this was very scandalous that he would uh, so brazenly surrender to save his life, uh, and was actually considered quite the outcast by the rest of his family uh, once uh, the uh, Takeda were finally defeated in 1582. He ends up becoming quite a poor figure. So, uh, you know, you see, this is one example of uh, samurai kind of saving their neck or, or the necks of those with them uh, and uh, taking a stipend to to surrender. Uh, and and this this happened, you know, several other times as, as well. This is uh, just one that was easily at hand for me. As an aside, how much of an impact do you think that that particular situation had on Oda Nobunaga? being more proactive in coming to the Tokugawa side during Nagashino. In uh, other, word, in other yeah. words, uh, you know, he, he had been kind of allowing Tokugawa to sort of do his own thing to, you know, to his own, to his detriment. Well, I certainly think it had a, it played a large uh, part of things, because as, as you see, oh, okay, uh, Takatenjin Castle is surrounded and surrenders and becomes part of the Takeda clan. Uh, the next year we come to Nagashino and Katsuyori invades and we have another castle, Nagashino, who is asking for help. Uh, especially if you read uh, the Mikawa Go Fudoki account, Ieyasu essentially threatens to do the same thing, <laughs> but for, not just for Nagashino Castle, for the whole clan. He says, you know, look Nobunaga, uh, I keep asking you for help because my castles keep getting invaded and you never send it. If you don't send help, then maybe I'll think about switching my allegiance from you to the Takeda. Hmm. So, uh, you know, he kind of uses that as leverage to get Nobunaga to come help him and then the Battle of Nagashino happens and, and we see, you know, we, we all know what happens there because we talked about it in other podcasts, but... Then that would be another example this of... This would be uh, certainly a, almost yeah, an, an example of, of kind of, you know, I'm not so interested in the dying uh, on the spot here thing. I'll, I'll switch my allegiance if I need to, if it's going to protect me and my clan. Because, I mean, when you think about it, it... it Especially during the Sengoku period. I mean, once you get into the, the Edo period, it's you're obviously not being faced with sieges nearly as often because their warfare was really limited. I mean, we're not going to count. I, everybody brings up, oh, but Shimabata happened. Yeah, Shimabata was an exception. So, right. you know, you're, you're really not too often faced with being besieged in your castle or... You know, in the Edo period, the, the, you didn't really have these, these battles to, to concern yourself with, so... Uh, it was a lot easier to maintain loyalty because there was no conflict, essentially. Uh, in the Sengoku period, uh, I mean, it was really all about we're loyal to the point where it kept you and your own uh, folks alive. Right. It was basically the focus was your first loyalty was to your clan, you know, and then... Clan meaning your own... People. Family unit, your own, your own people, and and the and the those who served you essentially. Yes. So, if you were faced with a choice of wiping, you know, yourself and your followers out, or uh, support, you know, through your death supporting the Lord above you, then 
you know, you have examples where people chose to die well, in support of their lord, but... If that resulted in their clan surviving. Yeah, if that, if that resulted in their clan surviving. But you also have, you know, a lot of examples of people saying, no, no, I, I'd much rather switch my allegiance to this other group uh, and serve another lord if it means that my own clan, uh, meaning my own family, uh, not the greater clan that you might have been an ancillary part of, uh, was going to to survive and, and perpetuate. I, you know, an interesting example of that, since you bring that up, is uh, the uh, Sonata, looking at uh, the, the conflict between the Toyotomi and the Tokugawa leading up to Sekigahara. Yeah, they ended up on both um, sides. Yeah, right? they ended up on both sides. Uh, why? The purpose was for the family to continue. Regardless, uh, someone, someone know, would win. So. Uh, one of the Sonata brothers had been married into the Tokugawa clan, uh, and had to follow that loyalty, uh, conveniently enabling one of half their clan to survive once the Tokugawa won. So, you know, interesting from from that perspective. I mean, yeah. Also, um, a lot of times it, it's it's maybe glossed over, but a lot of these smaller clans were were pressed into service. They weren't willingly joining up certainly, with these larger clans. Certainly. Like you have Mori Motonari, he you know starting off as a small clan. He didn't willingly join the Ouji, they didn't, or the Amako, depending on who he was serving at any given moment. He right. basically had no choice, and he was doing making the decisions for the best interest of his own particular of his own clan. And that's a lot of there were a lot of cases of that. You know, and most I would say a lot of the ones that were uh, taken in by Nobunaga or Hideyoshi were essentially the same thing. They were more or less pressed into service, not by any. Not really given a choice. Certainly, and I mean, uh, you, you and what can, kind of loyalty, can, loyalty are you really going to have to the person above you if you're pressed into service? Well, you can even take it um, a couple steps further, and, and if you look at uh, Barry's case uh, that she makes in her biography of Hideyoshi, uh, Mary, Mary Barry uh, wrote the book Hideyoshi uh, for anybody who wants to go find it and, and, and read it. It's a it's a great uh, book, but her her case is essentially that uh, his political format if you will, was federalism in the sense that once he took over, all of the clans, the daimyo clans that fell underneath him... And him being Hideyoshi. And him being Hideyoshi. Um, all, all of the clans that fell underneath him weren't necessarily swearing loyalty to him. It's simply that they were faced with a choice of, you know, assimilation or, or assimilate or die if you right. want to you know, <laughs> get into the Star Trek of it. But their choice was to surrender and be part of his political organization or to be an outlier and, and, and be destroyed. And, you know, the, the, the choices were... So it's, it, people were making the choice based on, on survival. And it's the fact that everyone made this same choice, for the most part, that gave Hideyoshi the strength to uh, control the country. It wasn't that he had the biggest army or he had... Uh, you know, the most uh, land himself or whatever. It's that he convinced people that their best survival option was to fall under him right. uh, and, and so forth. And, and this oftentimes is contrasted with Nobunaga and how he uh, was much more of a, you know, surrender to me or I will smash you uh, <laughs> exactly. type. But, you know... Or even... even Surrender to me, and then I'll smash you. And, or, and then I'll smash you, yes. But, but even Nobunaga... Uh, Followed this to to an extent. I mean, he uh, would take take over and absorb cl clans into his into his structure. And, I mean, you see it with 
Akechi Mitsuhide or uh, Araki Murashige or most of the retainers of Oda Nobunaga who came in after his Owari band of followers was formed uh, in the, uh, the early period of his, of his rise. Hey everyone, this is Coffin John of V Cinema, the site that covers Asian film from cult to the classics. Join Josh of VariedCelluloid.net, Rufus of CineAwesome.com, and me on the V Cinema Show, a podcast that features Asian film discussions, special guests, interviews, and live event coverage. Our podcast is published bi-weekly on Mondays. So check us out on vcinemashow.com or search us out on iTunes. Also join the discussion and fun by following us on Twitter at vcinemashow and joining us on our Facebook page, which is located at facebook.com slash vcinema. And of course, check out our blog at vcinemashow.com for reviews, features, and interviews. Hey, this is Watanabe Ken, and you're listening to the Samurai Archives podcast. Yeah, this kind of crosses over into what we talked about the last podcast with, uh, with, with loyalty, but the two are definitely tied together. Someone who is an example of, or is considered a paragon of loyalty, uh, and to show that even for this type of person, you know, death was not necessarily the option chosen. Uh, if you look at uh, Yamanaka Shikanosuke, so Yamanaka Shikanosuke was a uh, retainer of the uh, Amako clan in uh, the uh, Chuboka region, the no, western, western region Japan. of, yeah. of Honshu. Uh, and his, his was born in 1545, died in 1578. Uh, otherwise, you know, his, his name was also uh, Yamanaka Yukimori, uh, but uh, generally speaking, you hear Shikanosuke most of the time when he's brought up for discussion. He was really like the uber loyal retainer right. uh, to the point where when the Amako uh, were originally wiped out by the, uh, the Mori clan in 1565 he went and found a, a another uh, Amako, uh, Amako Katsuhisa, uh, convinced him to abandon his monk religious lifestyle, he was a monk, he said no please come back and I will support you as the new head of the Amako clan, and we will bring the Amako back to, to Gabori. Uh, went so far as to enlist the, uh, the aid of Hideyoshi and Nobunaga uh, in trying to establish the Amako, re-establish the Amako as a counterbalance to the Mori. Yeah, I don't think uh, Nobunaga and Hideyoshi really cared uh, at all, but uh, they, they probably just figured, well, yeah, just another ally to throw against the Modi plan. Well, I, I mean, it, you know, this is a case of realpolitik. You know, they're, they're, okay, somebody that we can kind of sort of pseudo-support and will give us assistance against the Modi. You know, so so they did this and they, they lent some support to them and he was able to do this. Uh, spent some years in uh, harassing operations against uh, the Modi, specifically uh, Kikawa Motoharu, uh, one of the uh, the... Motonari's sons and a uh, big, um, well-known Mori general. So anyway, so as this progresses uh, in uh, 1578, they were uh, besieged by 
the uh, the Morty army uh, at uh, Kozuki Castle, uh, which is where they had set up, uh, and were faced with you know they were they were besieged, faced with annihilation, uh, and unfortunately for them at least, Hashira Hideyoshi could not come to their aid because he was fully involved in the siege of uh, Miki Castle, right? Uh, in a in a different area, so really they were kind of. Kind of left high and dry by their by, by in the wind. <laughs> sub, their supposed allies. Yeah, they're more allies of convenience than anything else. Yes. So, uh, to quote from the Samurai Archives website, uh, vastly outnumbered and forsaken by their allies, the Yamako gave in. Katsuhisa committed suicide, but Yamanaka was taken alive and was offered the grant of a small fief in the far western provinces. Uh, Yamanaka actually accepted the fief, which so, is ironic considering how many years. He well, you'd spent decades fighting yeah, against yeah. the Mori. Uh, as the they were the major enemy of the Amako. Right, and you just suddenly have a change of heart after all that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's it's. I mean, he was the Amako prime mover, the he, he basically the, symbol of their resistance to the Mori. He was, he and was so, the uh, Kusunoki Masashige of the Sengoku period, essentially. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much how he's portrayed. And then it, it would be like if if at the end Godaigo was defeated. And Kusunoki said, "Okay, I'll go work for the Ashikaga now, um, or or I'll go, I'll, I'll go get a hut and or you know I'll get a get a, a little palace and go farm." Yeah, something. and go farm. <laughs> so um, you know where you would expect Yamanaka Shikanosuke for all he had done to for so long support for so long to support the Yamako, you'd think that he would be a perfect candidate for this you know death before dishonor. I shall not surrender and. What does he do? Eh, okay, I'll go work for the Morino. Uh, you know, much more enemies for all these decades. I'll go work for them. As it turns out, Kikawa Motoharu decides that he's fought against the Mori for so long that we can't really trust him and hasn't assassinated. But the, it kind of is just another example of how even somebody who's considered this paragon of virtue, this paragon of loyalty, uh, when faced with the situation, isn't necessarily going to pull a general nogi and commit jinshi, uh, which <laughs> right. is uh, you know suicide when your lord dies. Uh, he's he's going to look at it and go, okay, well I tried, and <laughs> you know go from there. Yeah, I mean I guess what all these examples have in common is that uh, it's all based on you know practicality. It's it's based on keeping yourself slash keeping your family alive and continuing on into future generations and uh, while it's fine and dandy to look at it from an Edo period perspective and say you know the retainer must always uh, obey the Lord and follow into death and and so on and so forth I mean this really when you're when you're in the age of of uh, civil wars and all this is going on. It, it's it's much more practical to say no, no. It's I'm going to, <laughs> I, I'm going to do what's best for my own family. Thank you very much, and switch sides, and 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 so on and so forth. Exactly, which um, is pretty much the, probably the key point that we've we have here is that uh, the, their number one loyalty was to their own clan and their own family, not to those above them, especially yeah. if they've been pressed into service. Yeah, and, and I mean you can you can extend this out to, to other examples. I mean you know we have the uh, the Imagawa clan get destroyed by the uh, Oda and the Tokugawa and and so what do they do? They end up becoming the tea masters for the Tokugawa Bakufu. Right. Uh, or the Takeda are, are destroyed but uh, they, uh, you know, elements of the Takeda actually turn on their own 
uh, family, they turn on Katsuyori, uh, his, his relatives uh, do so in order to survive uh, because by 1582 they realized that you know what was what was going on and that this was no longer a, a a profitable venture so to speak you know all of these uh, going on I mean, I mean you can even look at it uh, if you look at the uh, Sekigahara or uh, the siege of uh, Osaka you know families that had been had pledged loyalty to the uh, Toyotomi rather than choosing to stand by them to the death. I mean, even when, even those families that, that supported uh, Hideyori at, uh, and the, the uh, Hideyori slash Ishida side at uh, uh, Sekigahara, uh, you know, taking reductions in their fief size, but being allowed to stay alive uh, because they accept, you know, they surrender and accept uh, uh, the hegemony of the Tokugawa uh, after Sekigahara, you know, the Mori, the Shimazu, uh, all these other families who, right. who had supported uh, the, uh, the western side at Sekigahara. Uh, so this was, this was far from an odd or an isolated thing. Uh, it extends quite a lot through the Sengoku period and, and into the, the Edo period at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there are almost no, there are so few examples of, say, a castle siege where the, the lord of the clan decides we're going to sally out from the castle in, in one final suicide attack. That's, that's rare as to be almost unheard of. Yeah, I mean, I can think of one example off the top of my head, uh, the siege of Chokoji, and in that case, the uh, Shibata Katsuye, uh, performs this famous act of smashing the water jars so that they, the garrison has no more water and their only uh, recourse is to sally forth and, and attack and they actually drive the, the, uh, the besieging force off. Like we said, we certainly have examples of this. Um, Few and far between though. But, there, but, but in general, it was not the norm, it was the exception to the rule. Right. Uh, you know, Matsunaga Hisehide blowing himself up with his tea bowl uh, to prevent it from falling into Uranobunaga's hands and, and so forth. But uh, e even, you know, if you look at Matsunaga Hisahide, he's an interesting case because while he, he does kill himself in order to prevent uh, falling into Nobunaga's hands or, or surrendering, you know, if, if you go back to our podcast on loyalty, he, he's a case where uh, not only did he betray his own lord, uh, Miyoshi Choke, and switched sides multiple times. Um, but he was destroying the Miyoshi from the inside when, when he was a retainer of theirs. Right. Plus, also assisted Miyoshi Choke. You know, the Miyoshi, um, they attacked and assassinated the, uh, the Ashikaga Shogun, the, the, the lord of everybody, you know, Ashikaga Yoshiteru in 1565. So. We, we see, even though at the end he prefers death to surrender, and, you know, throughout his life he was one of the more, uh, and, and we'll, we'll kind of cover him on a later podcast a little bit, but uh, he was one of the more uh, underhanded, devious, backstabbing. underhanded, backstabbing, nasty characters in samurai history. So, um, yeah, so I think that covers kind of... Yeah, that covers pretty much our uh, take on death before surrender, take on samurai behaving badly. Samurai were people, and people do bad things. Keep that in mind. Yep. All right. And, okay, uh, hopefully that was another interesting podcast. And, again, feel free to send any comments to samuraipodcast at gmail.com. And catch us on Twitter at Samurai Archives. All right. Talk to you next week. That's a wrap.
らなみくたてて」